The reason we must have hope in life is because we live in a broken world. This is earth, not heaven. So we shouldn't expect things to be perfect here. Because of our self-centered, sinful choices and the tendency of everyone else in every generation to do the same thing, the sins of humanity have damaged what was once a perfect place. Eden is long gone. Our planet is out of order. It's the damage done by what theologians call the fall. We lost paradise and we lost our innocence due to the rebellion against God. And we've struggled with difficulty and doubt and discouragement and despair ever since. You see, absolutely nothing works perfectly on earth. The weather doesn't, the economy doesn't, your own body doesn't. No marriage or relationship works perfectly because it's composed of imperfect people. And your plans in life haven't worked out perfectly. And this is the reason we need hope. Because everything in life is broken, but we're not left alone. God gives us hope. This is Daily Hope, and I'm Rick Warren. Today on Daily Hope with Pastor Rick Warren, we're continuing in our series called Shape to Make a Difference, and this is part three of a message taken from Scripture called The Purpose of Your Personality. And now, Rick Warren. Now, we all have desires, and not all of them are good desires. Not every desire you have is a good one. You got some good ones, you got some bad ones. You're going to give in to your desires unless you let the Spirit lead your life. You'll either be controlled by your feelings or by God's Spirit. And when you say, I let God's Spirit lead me, it doesn't mean you don't have the feelings, it just means you don't give in to them. A lot of people think, well, if I feel it, then I'm going to, I'll do it. And once I become a Christian, God will take away all my feelings for bad. No, he doesn't. You will have those feelings the rest of your life. But a, a follower of Christ is not someone who has no feelings. A follower of Christ is someone who just doesn't obey the wrong ones. Doesn't give in, doesn't get addicted to, doesn't yield to, doesn't let the negative or the wrong feelings control you. It doesn't say you're tempted. It says you won't satisfy, you won't give in. Now, it's interesting that in worship, feelers often close their eyes. I don't know if you've noticed this. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a good thing. If it helps you focus in on God, it's fine to close your eyes. Feelers use their body. They'll raise their hands. You know, it's like at a a ball game. People get excited. They go, woo-hoo! Well, we do about somebody hit a home run. Why can't you go, God, woo-hoo! That's fine. And so you see it in their faces, And the Bible says that, in fact, when you are worshiping God, all around you becomes irrelevant. You're not paying attention to how somebody else looks or how even you look. You're focused on God. The third personality are the thinkers. Now, talkers love God with their hearts. And feelers love God with their souls. Thinkers love God with their minds. Did you know that you can love God with your intellect? Did you know that when you're doing intellectual activities, it brings glory to God? Did you know that God never said, now I want you to take the brain that I gave you and put it on the shelf and follow me? No, he said, I want you to use your mind, use your brain, use your intellect. And the Bible says, love God with all your mind. When you're developing in your mind, you're strengthening your mind, you're educating your mind, you are doing an act of worship. Because you're doing something with what God gave you. 
Now, the biblical worldview, and Christianity is a worldview, the biblical worldview that's in this Bible is the only logical, rational worldview that squares with reality. I don't know if you studied all the nine major worldviews of life. I have. I've studied them intensely. And every other worldview that's not based on this ultimately ends up in nihilism, which means nothing matters. There is no meaning in life if there is no God. People try to make it up, but there really isn't. There is no morality in life without God. You cannot have a moral society if there is not a moral God. Otherwise, we're just animals. If there is no God, then you are an accident and your life doesn't matter squat. If there is no God, then your life has no purpose. It has no meaning. You are a freak accident. You're simply just an animal and a survival of the fittest. And if I want to come over and kill you and take your stuff, well, sorry, it's survival of the fittest. There is no basis for morality in society if there is no God. The logical, rational, intelligent, systematically lining it up with reality is the worldview that God gives us in his word. And God says, I want you to use your mind. Now, people who are thinkers, when they become believers and follow Christ, all of a sudden they fall in love with the Bible because they love to study this book. It is so deep. There's no other book in the world like it. And you could study it and study it and study it. It goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And it has all of the answers to life's questions like, why am I here? Where am I going? What am I here for? What is the purpose of life? Does my life matter? What's the past? What's the future? Where did I come from? They're all here in this book. And thinkers dig in and they study. And they love Bible study because they are thinkers. The Bible says this in Psalm 119. How I love your law. I think about it all day long. Now why do we need thinkers in the world? We need talkers because we need communication. We need feelers because we need compassion. We need thinkers because the world needs consideration consideration. In other words, somebody's got to be thinking through complex issues, complex problems. Somebody's got to be thinking through the implications of what the rest of us are doing. And we need people who think through tough problems and bring solutions to the table. That's why we need scientists. That's why we need writers. That's why we need philosophers. That's why we need inventors inventing new things and thinking it through. That's why we need innovators and why we need creators who are thinking through solutions to problems that are in the world. The Bible tells us that we are to think about what God wants to do in our own lives. It says this in Lamentations chapter 3. We should think about, think about the way we are living and turn back to the Lord. Socrates said the unexamined life isn't worth living. We need to think about the direction of our lives. And thinkers are good at this. They, they ponder the path that they're heading. Now, are there any weaknesses to this personality? Well, of course, just like there are weaknesses to talkers and weaknesses to feelers, there are two weaknesses of thinkers. Number one is pride. Pride. Because thinkers who have the ability to think fast or are educated tend to look down on people who don't think the way they do. 
And, well, you're not sophisticated, or you're not educated, or you don't know what I know. And they tend to devalue everybody else. Not realizing that we now know there are at least nine different kinds of intelligence, not just one. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says this. It says, pride puffs up, or knowledge makes people arrogant, but love builds them up. King James says, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. If you're going to be smart, great, use your smarts, but you must temper it with love. Otherwise, you're going to be egotistical. Now, let me tell you a little secret. Don't tell anybody I told you this. <laughs> the last couple of years, I've had the opportunity to speak at and meet with some of the most brilliant minds in the world, in congresses and conferences and seminars, very bright people. And you know what? Some of them are just flat out stuck up. They're snooty. They're snotty. They're, I won't tell you what they are. But they're smart. They know they're smart. And they'll be happy to tell you they're smart. And they're proud of their smarts. And what they don't realize is everybody's ignorant just on different subjects. Okay, you know some things a physicist doesn't know. And the person next to you knows some things you don't know. And they know some things I don't know. Everybody's ignorant just on, double, on different subjects. Nobody knows everything. So the Bible says, don't be proud of your wisdom. Be proud that you know the Lord. That's Pastor Rick Warren with a portion of today's message called The Purpose of Your Personality from the series Shape to Make a Difference. We'll continue with more in just a moment. But first, this broadcast isn't the only place you can get daily hope. Check out rickwarren.org to learn what it means to be saved. Listen to other Daily Hope broadcasts, request prayer, or shop our online store for CDs, Bible studies, MP3s, books, and more. You can also sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional. So visit us online anytime at rickwarren.org. You can also email Rick anytime at rick at rickwarren.org to share your story. More Daily Hope with Rick Warren in just a moment. So what's your shape? Your shape is a combination of your spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. Working with Rick Warren, Pastor Eric Reese put together a six-session DVD and study guide based on Rick's teaching called Shape, Finding and Fulfilling Your Unique Purpose for Life. This empowering teaching gives you the tools you need to unlock and understand your God-given potential. The Shape DVD and Study Guide are in one kit and is our gift to thank you for your donation to support this broadcast. So please request your kit when you call 800-600-5004. Once again, here's Rick Warren. You know some things a physicist doesn't know. And the person next to you knows some things you don't know. And they know some things I don't know. Everybody's ignorant just on, double, on different subjects. Nobody knows everything. So the Bible says, don't be proud of your wisdom. Be proud that you know the Lord. Now, if you are a thinker, you ought to use your intelligence, but temper it with love. Because otherwise you can become egotistical about it. The other problem of thinkers is indecision. Some people use study as an excuse to never act. And some of the most scholarly people I know are also the most vacillating, wimpy, indecisive people I know. 
They're always saying, well, it could be this and it could be that. And it could be this and it could. And they never come to conclusions. The Bible talks about them like this. Always studying, but never able to recognize the truth. And some people use study as an excuse, as a barrier to never act, to never really do anything. So the Bible gives warnings to thinkers, just like it does to talkers and to feelers. The first one is practice humility. The Bible says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Why? Because God is God and you're not. And he's a lot wiser. Humility is a choice. By the way, never pray for God to humble you. In the first place, not once in the Bible are you ever told to pray that prayer. It never says, ask God to humble you. So don't ever say, God, please humble me. No. In the Bible, it says, humble yourself before the Lord. It's a choice. Humility is something you do to yourself. Nobody else can do it to you. They can humiliate you, but they can't make you humble. Humble is something you do to yourself. It's a choice to say, God, you know what in an essence humility is? It's total dependence upon God. God, I'm depending on you. I'm trusting you in this moment. Even with the gifts and the talents and abilities that you've given me, I'm trusting you. And humility is not denying your strengths. It's being honest about your weaknesses. The other warning to thinkers is to practice what you know. Practice what you know. If you know it, then do it. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You could come to Saddleback Church for 20 years and take notes on every single sermon ever preached here and still never really do it. Would you write this down in your outline? I only believe the parts of the Bible I actually do. I only believe the parts I actually do. Do you believe we ought to give to the poor? Yeah, do you do it? Nah. Do you believe that, we, that people are, uh, need Christ to go to heaven? Yeah, do you tell them about it? No. Do you believe in tithing? Yeah, do you do it? No. You only believe the parts you do. You may write it down. Be kind to my wife. If you're not kind to your wife, you don't believe it. This is the fourth personality, the doer. These are the energetic activists of life. They're the get it done people. They're the achievers, the accomplishers, the workers, the people that push things forward, that make things happen in the practical sense of life. Psalm 116 says this. This is in a verse of a doer. Oh God, here I am, your servant, your faithful servant. Set me free for your service. He's saying, God, put me in, coach. I want to be in the game. Don't leave me on the sideline. I want to be involved in this. I don't want to watch history happen. I want to make history. Put me in the game. Let me in there. Let me have a shot at it. I'm ready to go to work, Lord. I'm obedient. I'm active. And I'm ready to go to work. I'm ready to serve you. Now, what is the purpose of doers in the world? Well, the world needs contribution. We don't just need communication. We don't just need compassion. We don't just need consideration. We got to get to act, get to work and do it. We need contribution. We need people of action. We need, as Pastor Kerry calls them, get her done people. People with initiative, with energy, with action, with a bias for achievement. 
with a bias for starting things and growing things and building things and developing things. Hands and feet people, go-getters. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 1, offer your bodies to him as a living sacrifice, pure and pleasing. That's the most sensible, in other words, practical way to serve God. It says offer your body. Why? Because that's the only way you can serve God. Even if you're using your mind or your mouth or your heart or your emotions, it's part of your body. You can't serve God out of your body. So be practical. He says, give him your body. Say, God, here's my body for you to use in this world in any way you want to be used. And of course, it takes thinkers and talkers and feelers and doers. And about a fourth of us are in each of those categories. And God says, now I want you to love me all four ways, but in the way that you're primarily shaped, that's the way I expect your primary worship, your primary love, and your primary service to come. By talking, by thinking, by feeling, by doing. And we're all necessary in the body of Christ. Now, just as talkers and feelers and thinkers have their weaknesses, what are the weakness, what are the weaknesses of doers? Well, I can say it in one word, overwork. Overwork. Doers are always working. Work, 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 work. And they never stop to think. <laughs> they certainly don't stop to feel. And they wouldn't spend a second stopping to talk. Let's just get it done. Let's get it done. And so they're always busy, busy, busy. And God says this in Psalm 127. It is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, fearing you're going to starve to death. For God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. That would be a good verse to put up on the mirror in your bathroom. God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. This week in my personal quiet time, as I was reading through the book of Jeremiah, God gave me a verse that I hadn't seen before in the message paraphrase. It says this on the screen. Slow down. Take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? But you say, I can't help it. I'm addicted to alien gods. That means false gods, phony gods, fake gods. It means not the true God. I'm addicted to something else other than the one true God. And I can't quit. What alien gods are you addicted to? The approval of other people? Are you addicted to adrenaline? You just like the rush of working fast? Why can't you slow down? Why can't you stop and take a break? What are you really after? You need to know that particularly if you're a doer. Why do you do what you do? When you know the why, God will show you how. But if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you're in a cycle. God says, slow it down. If you're a doer, you need to slow it down. Some of you need to do less. 
Not less for God, but less in other areas. So you've got more time to do what matters most. Now the Bible says that when you become a believer, that God makes you a new person inside. 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 7, verse, verse 17 says, when anyone becomes a Christian, if any man be in Christ, you are a new person inside. The old has passed away, the new has come. What is actually new in your life when you become a believer? Well, we've talked about it many times. Past forgiven, purpose for living, home in heaven. But let me tell you something that doesn't change. When you come to Christ, your personality doesn't change. If you were a talker before you knew the Lord, you're still a talker. If you were a feeler before you knew the Lord, you're still a feeler. If you were a, a thinker before you knew the Lord, you're still a thinker. And if you were a doer before your Lord, you're st- before the Lord, you still are a doer. God doesn't slow you down when you come to him. He just changes your direction. In fact, he says, I want to empower it. Remember, you got your personality from him. And God doesn't want to make you a clone of everybody else in the way that you worship and serve and love God. No, he says, I want you to worship and love and serve me the way I made you to be with your personality, through talking, through feeling, through thinking, through doing. And I want you to do it all four ways, even though I primarily put you in one category. But he says, not only that, I will strengthen your personality, not dampen it. I'm not gonna turn you into a religious nut. I'm gonna make you more you than you've ever been before. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's Rick Warren with Daily Hope. As we wrap up today's program, we'll hear a quick preview of part one of the last message in our series, Employing Your Experience, from the series Shape to Make a Difference. But first, I want to tell you about the Daily Hope website, rickwarren.org. Log on there today, and you can get today's entire message, get message notes, social media links, and sign up for Rick's free Daily Hope devotional. So visit us online anytime at rickwarren.org. Also, don't forget that Rick wants to send you a special gift to thank you for your donation to support this Daily Hope broadcast. And it's the Shape to Make a Difference study kit by Saddleback Pastor Eric Reese, the perfect companion to the series you're hearing this month. We all have a shape, and Shape to Make a Difference gives you the tools you need to unlock your unique shape for doing what God has created you to do. This includes discovering your spiritual gifts, clarifying what you have a heart for, recognizing your abilities, defining your personality type, and understanding how your life experiences can all be used to help others. You're not supposed to be good at everything. You were shaped the way you are for a reason. When you tap into the way God has shaped you and the secrets of your own personal makeup, you'll discover the path to a life of unimagined purpose, impact, and fulfillment. Now we're wrapping up the Shape to Make a Difference study, so be sure to request your copy of Shape to Make a Difference today when you call with your donation to support this broadcast. 
800-600-5004. Daily Hope is a 100% listener-supported broadcast, so please, your support is so important to us. And we'd love to show you how much we appreciate you by sending you the Shape to Make a Difference study kit. So call to request it today at 800-600-5004. And if you can, please consider giving just a little more to help keep Daily Hope on your station. And now with a quick preview of tomorrow's message, here's Pastor Rick. Somehow, though, when you mix five bad things with one good thing and you stir them up together, it's so good you eat half the dough before you make the cookie. How is that? Five bad things and one good equal a really good mixture. And that's what God wants to do with your life. He wants to take bad, 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 good and turn you into Mrs. Fields. That's next time. Be sure to join us again as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Daily Hope Ministries and listeners like you.